Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. I'm I'm Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host Wheeler. Today we have a fun basketball-oriented podcast. You know, it's been been a little while, been, you know, eight or nine days since our last podcast. I'm getting a little rusty. I can't even do my own intro. But, uh, Wheeler, we're going to hop into our basketball discussion after you make fun of me for fumbling over my words. But, um, so Auburn basketball has obviously, we talked on the last podcast that we had five games left in the month of January, kind of predicted a record for those, and Auburn has gone 3-0 and in that record so far. So, Wheeler, let's just jump into, you know, starting with the Mississippi State game and then moving forward to LSU and South Carolina. Give us your thoughts on things that have surprised you, kind of who's stepped up more so than you thought would and kind of how you, how you see this team coming together as the month closes out. You know, Noble, you often, I think you're playing checkers and you're really playing chess. And what you did there was just brilliant. You fumbled over the beginning of the podcast, just like the Tigers did at the beginning of SEC play, just to come back strong and really surprise people. I'm proud of you. Good job. Uh, no, Auburn's looking really good. Um, we kind of predicted a little bit of a winning streak here. And honestly, I think the person that is most surprised by this is Bruce Pearl. I truly think, I think that, he looked up at the record one day before our road streak. I, was it, it was either three and one or four and one. And he even said in his press conference, well, guys, you hadn't played very well, but you've put yourself in a great position. And I mean, it's so true. If you're going to have a season where by all indications, it's not what the people expected. You, you haven't gotten the step up that you thought from the freshman your guys that came back started a little shaky, but you somehow managed to have the record that Auburn has right now with one SEC loss and three losses on the year. You know, heading into the last weekend of January, you'll take that every single time. Granted, I mean, it's been a little bit of a soft SEC schedule that you've played so far. It's about to really pick up. But, I mean, we were talking – in serious terms, and I think that this was an overreaction maybe on our part. I don't know if it was an overreaction. I think that the way they were playing at the time, we questioned whether or not the team was going to make the tournament. And if they did make the tournament, you know, how how close it was going to be. Now, I mean, you look like you're in solid contention for a four seed, maybe a – I don't know. I feel like a four or five seed is a good expectation to have for this team. Um I do think that we might struggle against some of the more uh, successful teams in the SEC. I have loved the new hate on Twitter between Auburn basketball players and Alabama basketball players. It has been 
a fantastic back and forth. I love that the basketball rivalry has gotten spicy. I think the crane kicks last year really got it going. And not to mention my cousin Vinny and Papa Bruce do not like each other from just my impression on the outside looking in. I think they both respect what the other person has done at their respective programs. But I think that they're too similar of people to actually like each other. Um, so, yeah. It's good. It's been a spicy rivalry. I know that, you know, we're still a few weeks out from the Alabama game. There's a lot of basketball to be played. But just projecting ahead, that is going to be a really fun game that I hope we're able to make a play or two, you know, and keep it close. But, man, they look really, really good right now. And they're going to have to cool off if we're going to have a legitimate shot to knock them off. I agree. And I, I think the thing that frustrates I don't want to say frustrated because I am very happy with where we are. I mean, at the end of the day, this team has not had many games where you're – I think the Auburn fans have gotten accustomed to what last year had, what the Final Four team had, what the Isaac Coro, Samir Dowdy teams had, where they have a couple games every season where you're like, this team can win it all. This is the bet – like, when this team is playing well, they are the best basketball team in college basketball. Whereas this team has had a lot of games where you're like, when they're playing like this, they're one of the worst teams. And not necessarily in college basketball, but in the SEC. And I think that's kind of, you know, echoes what you said earlier. Earlier in the season, we watched games where we were like, if this is how we play the rest of the season, we won't make the tournament. And obviously that's turned around a little bit. And I still think it's it hasn't necessarily been super convincing. But at the same time, while these teams aren't that good, it's not easy to just, you know, win games by 20 on the road. You know, I mean, LSU is – Yeah. Huh? And, yeah. and leading wire to wire in back-to-back games. Exactly. I mean, you know, the, the Ole Miss game was kind of, the you know, getting road jitters, won that game by nine. Mississippi State was a, you know, hard-fought win. LSU wasn't competitive really that much. I mean, they had a little bit of a claw back at the beginning of the second half, but that game was really not in jeopardy. South Carolina, you weren't really concerned about losing at any point. And so you look at that, and that's comforting to me that this team can get a lead and hang on to it and play good basketball for the entirety of the game. And I think that's encouraging to me. And you look at the rest of this, you know, you have Texas A&M at home with Gonzaga losing this week or, you know, on Thursday, Auburn has the longest home winning streak in the country. Not wanting to jinx anything, but like we said on this podcast multiple times, we feel good about any game at home. Texas A&M is an unranked team. They're not a bad basketball team by any means. But Just that- had their first SEC loss. Yeah, I mean that should that that should be a win against a good team. Um, the West Virginia game coming up is very interesting to me. West Virginia is a really good team. They they had one. I think I, off the top of my head, I think they only had one game where they were ranked um, this season. I think they lost an overtime game to Kansas State. Um, they beat TCU a little bit a little bit earlier this week. They lost a close game to Texas at home. So this team like. This team is a good basketball team, and winning, you know, on the road against West Virginia will be a real – I mean, that will be a solid win. I mean, that's a that's a quad one win at the end of the season, I think. So I, I I will definitely be happy with those two wins. Going into February, you talked about it. It's just, a you know, a gauntlet. You got Tennessee on the road. You got Alabama at home. And almost looking at the standings, the most frustrating thing about this team is that they lost that game against Georgia. You know, and you look at – how George has been playing. They're three and three in conference play, 13 and six overall. Not a bad team by any means, but that's a game we should have won. And if we played how we're playing right now, we would have won that game. Then if you win that, all of a sudden, 
everyone's talking about Alabama and how great they are. But if Auburn wins that game against Georgia and Athens, we have the same record and we have the same conference record. And then it all points to that showdown in Neville Arena on February 11th. But I think that is very interesting with how great Alabama has been and how convincing they've looked. Auburn is one game behind them in the SEC race, and they they haven't played well. And I think that's that's the echoing thing is that Alabama has looked great every game, and Auburn has looked bad in some games, average in others, and decent in some games. But they haven't really had that game where they look great. And while I don't necessarily think that this team will have a game where they look incredible and they look great, I think this team can beat Alabama at home. And I think that confidence-wise, we talked about it that Arkansas game, that's really what gave these guys the confidence to do what they're doing right now. That so they played a really good basketball team and they said, we can beat those guys. You know, we can we can do this. And Arkansas, they're two and five in conference play. Like you can't deny the talent that they have. They start conference play slow all the time. But even then, that win doesn't look as impressive right now, but you can see what it did to our team. And so when you, you know, you have a road trip to Tennessee, you have a home trip against Alabama in February, those two games, you know, you want to win for, you know, just standings wise, but a win against those guys, the confidence will be through the roof on this team. If we can win even one of those games and we win two, this team will have SEC championship, you know, hopes in their locker room. So I'm definitely very encouraged by how we've played, but I'll be interested to see how we look when we start playing good teams. Cause these teams that we've been beating, they're good. We haven't played a really good team on the road and won yet. Uh-oh. Yeah. And I think that this team is definitely defensively, centered and Auburn fans are not used to that I mean you think back and this is a terrible example because they ended up losing to a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament but Virginia the year that they were a one seed very similar to this Auburn team where they never had a game where that you were like wow that team is a championship level team but they had to be a one seed because they just kept winning basketball games they won in the ugliest way possible every single game and just a fist fight in the backyard and so they lost a couple of games that year. I think they like lost to Duke or something. And that would be the equivalent of losing, you know, the Bama game this year, I think. But that is a way that you can win in college basketball. But the double edge of that sword is that you can also play a 16 seed. And I think that my concern, and tell me if I'm wrong here, the Tennessee game, I still feel like Auburn can play their style no matter what Tennessee's doing because they're not just going to be able to spray three-pointers and win the game like that's not I mean I guess they could but like that's not their game whereas Alabama if they're having one of their on games shooting threes there's nothing you can do defensively to shut down that three-point shooting team but the thing is is it's just the luck of the draw I mean Auburn's beaten Alabama teams before when they set the three-point record for the SEC but those were teams that were offensively centered and so that's all I'm saying is the, the matchup this time between this Nate Oates team over in Alabama that is playing against Auburn for the one seed in the SEC is kind of – it's a dicey matchup because if they're having an off three-point shooting night, I love our matchup. I think that we win that game. If they're on shooting, though, unless we're just having a remarkable night shooting, which we have – I mean, we've seen individual performances starting to break through. Alan Flanagan's starting to break through a little – Wynn's having his games where he broke through. I mean, yesterday against South Carolina, Wynn was just super comfortable. I don't know. I don't know what South Carolina was doing on defense because I've never seen so many open people. 
And I know that Auburn's offense is just – I mean, it couldn't have all been on Auburn's offense. There were some serious breakdowns in South Carolina's defense. I think we could have fed Janai Broom the ball on every single possession because he was wide open every time he got the ball. It's like they couldn't see the man standing down there. And then as soon as they would pack everybody back, I mean, they would just leave Wynn or Allen to have a three, and they were hitting them. And that's what we've been saying all year is that the entire offense is predicated on the fact that you need two guys to have an on-shooting night. And if you do, then you have just wide-open passes like you saw yesterday, and it looks super easy to win. Can they do that in these big games? Can they do that on the road at West Virginia this week? Can they do that at home against a Texas A&M team? And the thing is, I think I'd feel the exact same about this team if they lost two close games this week as I do right now. Because, I mean, they're playing super quality opponents this week, and you could lose those games. As long as you're not getting blown out, I still feel the same about this team. The defense is really good, and you've got to hope for a lucky shooting night to advance in the tournament. Yeah, and I think, you know, we we mentioned this a little bit. I think Alan Flanagan is, you know, the the biggest key. You know, when, when you look at what this team has done, I thought that the Georgia game was a game that we really looked at you know, there's a problem, you know, like there's a problem. We, we can't rebound. We we can't lean on someone for scoring. There was just some problems where you were, you just felt like we got exposed a little bit. Since that, you know, starting then, Alan Flanagan has, this season was very on and off. You never knew what you were going to get. You know, he seemed very turnover prone. I joke, he always has at least one to two plays a game where he's just going to lose the ball in the weirdest ways possible. And sometimes you don't even know if it, you think it's his fault because it happens so consistently, but it's weird, weird things where you're just like, how does that even happen on a basketball court? So, but so the Georgia game happens. Alan Flanagan in that game wasn't terrible, had 11 points and three rebounds. The rebounding seemed to be a problem. And ever since then, Alan has really been arguably the best rebounder, even though he hasn't had the best rebounding numbers. He's getting tough boards. And you look, you know, ever since that Georgia game when he had 11 points and three boards against Arkansas. 18 points and eight rebounds. Okay. That's, you know, that was a really good performance. Ole Miss, 15 points, five rebounds. Mississippi State, 10 points, seven rebounds. Uh, LSU and South Carolina, he had eight points and seven and 10 rebounds, respectively. Having Allen Flanagan getting 10 boards in a game, that's massive. And I think that Allen is arguably the best pure rebounder on the team. And I think that that's something that's really helping this win streak that people aren't really talking about is being able to get rebounds from a guy that's not Janai Broom, that's not Jalen Williams. When they got the big guys on them, Allen's crashing the boards really hard and maybe, you know, not having as much transition potential for him, but he's getting rebounds and he's helping his team. And so I think that Allen Flanagan has really been the X factor for Auburn in these past few games. And while Jalen Williams and Wendell Green are kind of more of the scores um, on a more consistent basis, Allen's having, you know, a little bit more sporadic scoring games he's shooting good percentages he's taking care of the ball and he's getting rebounds and I think that he's really helping Auburn in that sense and I think that the thing that I really like that you said when you talked about how this team is a defensive oriented team and you know you mentioned the three-point record that team with Isaac and Samir I felt like was an offensive focused team that had elite defenders on it but they were still the the guys almost had the mindset they wanted to score 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 whereas they were just really good defenders and they were playing good defense, whereas this team seems so much more like we want to play defense, we want to just grind out games. You look at Georgia, I mean, the Georgia game was a 76-64 to 64 loss. 
Whereas, you know, the LSU game, you know, the Georgia game, we felt like all hope was lost. We were like, this is bad. You know, the sky is falling. LSU, it's a 67-49 to 49 win. You only scored three more points, but you held the opponent to 30 less points. And I think that that's really what is fueling this team is it's not even that they're playing offensively so much better. It's just that they're playing great defense and really grinding out teams and scoring when they can and finding it in the game. And they're not necessarily having to force each other to play because they're forcing the defense to make this or the forcing the offense to make mistakes is how good their defense is. They're getting transition buckets, they're getting easy buckets, they're really wearing down the defense. You can just really see the difference in that game. And, you know, it'll be very interesting, you know, like you said, how they match up against a Tennessee and an Alabama, because Tennessee is very similar to Auburn in the sense they, you know, I, I believe Santiago Vescovi is their leading scorer, like he always is. He averages about 12 points a game. You know, that's not necessarily incredible. They really focus on the whole team, play good defense. Uh, their leading rebounder is Julian Phillips. He averages like five or six boards a game. You know, that's a, a name that Auburn fans are very familiar with, but that, that's really not that many rebounds. And so they're much more of a everyone on the team contributes and everyone on the team does their job. And it's similar to Auburn, but it seems like Auburn leans on a couple more guys. And I think that if our guys step up like they have been, you know, if Allen has a good game, if Janai has a good game, if Jaywell has a good game, we'll win that game in Knoxville. And that's just going to really propel everybody. Whereas you look at Alabama, you know, their leading rebounder, I believe, is uh, Gurley with nine rebounds a game. Brandon Miller averages like 20. If you can slow down Brandon Miller, that team starts freaking out. And I think that that's the, the biggest difference in those teams is that Tennessee, you have to play defense against everybody. You have to play a complete basketball game. Whereas Alabama, I think if you shut down Brandon Miller, I think those guys are going to freak out, and I think they're going to get worried a little bit. And they might adjust to that, but I think that the initial shock of Brandon Miller not doing anything, and if you can slow him down, I think it will really mess that team up. And, you know, with the with the help of the home crowd, that's really going to play a big factor. So I think they're those two games are really the two games to watch to see what this team can do for the rest of the season. I agree, and I don't think it needs to be overlooked is Lior Berman's contributions coming off the bench with mm-hmm. Chris Moore being hurt. I mean, that's massive to have a guy that you already have a pretty big rotation, and then one of your rotational players goes down, and then this guy comes in. And honestly, has added an interesting dimension where that whole line of players is able to score again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of been interesting because Trey Donaldson has like disappeared off the face of the earth after his like seven game hot streak. Um, and it's almost like his scoring's been replaced by Leor. But also, I mean, you talk about Alan Flanagan's rebounds. When Leor's on the floor, he actually gets a lot of offensive rebounds. Like he he's pretty skilled at knowing where that offensive rebound is going to be. I, there have been multiple possessions where he's been in the game at critical times and he's been able to get an offensive board off of a missed shot and keep the possession going. So I think that just kind of plays into what we were saying about this isn't the superstar team. You've got just smart basketball. And now that we're not turning the ball over so much, we can play that defense, smart basketball. And when you're playing bad teams like we have been, I mean, that just ruins them. I mean, Mm -hmm. South Carolina was just – a mess for most of the game. They had a little comeback where they were able to cut it to nine. And I honestly just watching the game, it felt like Auburn was like the game's in hand. We're just melting the clock. And then all of a sudden South Carolina hits a couple shots back to back 
the crowd starts getting going and Auburn just focuses back in and starts playing that smart basketball again and pulls back away. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think you're right about all of the games that are coming up about just shutting down Brandon Miller for Alabama. West Virginia is a really good team and it's a really tough environment to go up there and win. And Auburn has not been super successful in the SEC big 12 challenge on the road. Um, Though the years that we've gone on the road, we've oddly enough played like really, really difficult teams. I don't know why we don't just get like a soft team on the road. It's like, all right, you're going to go play the eventual national champion Baylor Bears, or you're going to go over to West Virginia, who's, you know, losing to the number two team in the country by three. You know, it's just like you get really tough draws um, in that challenge. So, yeah. I don't know. This week, this is a tough week. I'm intrigued to see how it all goes. I don't I don't understand the disrespect from the pollsters on Texas A&M. Like they're they're a good team. And they I mean they almost won this weekend again and would have been undefeated in the SEC and maybe they finally would have gotten ranked. But it's funny to me you got Arkansas who I know is very talented based off of their recruiting rankings. But as far as, like, what's happening on the basketball court should not, for all intents and purposes, be ranked right now. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be ranked the whole season or that they're not going to make the tournament. But if it were, if the polls were truly in a vacuum of what you're doing on the basketball court, Texas A&M's a better team than Arkansas. They just don't have the fancy recruiting ranking that Arkansas has, and they don't have the flashy coach, you know. You got Buzz Williams, who's just – old school, wear your three-piece suit, and his team's kind of following suit with that. So this is a tough week for Auburn basketball, which is why I said you can't you can't get too low if they go 0 for 2 this week. But I do I think we'll split them. I think we'll win the Texas A&M game, and then I just have a tough time with us winning out uh, in Morgantown. Which, you know, obviously we want to win every game we play. You want to represent the SEC well. If we're going to lose any of the next five games, I'm picking that West Virginia game 10 out of 10 times. You keep the home – you keep that home game feel. You know, like a lot of these guys on the team, they haven't ever lost at home. And, like, I think that's a big – like, I think that's a big thing mentally, like, that these guys, like, when they're like, when I'm playing in Auburn, we don't lose. And I think that, like, mentally that's a huge thing because it's like all their losses are somewhere else. So whenever they go somewhere else, they have in the back of the mind, like, oh, like – I remember when, you know, with Wendell, if he starts slow, he's like, oh, I remember, you know, when, when I was playing in Athens and we lost and the, the the crowd was going after me and I couldn't make a shot and it was just bad. But in Auburn, even when they start slow, they just they can't remember a time when it cost them. And I think that, you know, th- that, that matters. You know, it's the same as confidence. Like the confidence of that you've never lost at home, the confidence that you're playing really well, the confidence that you think you can beat a good team – all of that plays so much in, especially in a game like basketball that's so mental, where it's these guys just know when they're playing at home, they have such an advantage. Um, but so kind of looking ahead, we did this a little bit uh, on the last podcast, and I'm going to do it again with Texas A&M, West Virginia, Georgia, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. The next five games, what is your prediction for the next five for Auburn's record right before that matchup against Alabama? So I think that we beat Texas A&M in the midweek game this week. I mean, I say we lose to West Virginia. Then it's Georgia, correct? 
Mm-hmm. I think we beat Georgia at home. And then Alabama? Is that Tennessee on the road, then A&M on the road, then Bama at home. Man, I am torn. I think we split the A&M uh, and Tennessee games on the road. So I can't really give a prediction. I think I'll, or I'll say you lose the Tennessee game on the road, you beat Texas A&M on the road, and then you beat Alabama at home. I like it. I like. I. I definitely think it's so. This team is just so difficult to predict because right now, with how they're playing, you feel like they can beat a road. You know, they feel you feel like you can beat any decent basketball team on the road, but they just still haven't played anyone who's just really good. And I think that's the weirdest part about this season is that usually you at least have games in you know, early season where you play someone really good in one of those Thanksgiving week tournaments. By now, you kind of think that you've played someone pretty good. We just really haven't had any games against really good teams. You know, like you have that Arkansas game, but obviously they have all the talent in the world. They're just starting so slow and they're struggling so much. You don't know how much you can lean into that. But also, you just don't really know what to think. You know, because you're like, well, I mean, they they shut down Arkansas. They might shut down Tennessee. They might shut down Alabama. But you're also like, we you really don't know. So I definitely think that these next few games are crucial. And even if, you know, you lose to Tennessee and Alabama. If you win the rest of them, you still have a really good record. And while you might not be looking at an SEC championship, you're looking at a decent seed in the NCAA tournament. And I do think, you know, we've talked extensively on multiple podcasts that we don't think this team is all that good, you know, compared to past years. But if you beat Tennessee or Alabama, all of a sudden, you know, especially if you win that Alabama game, you're in, you're in contention to win an SEC regular season in a year that is just not – anything close to the other SEC championship winning teams. And that matters. Like, you know, especially when you look at Alabama, their tendency to kind of drop off later in the season. If you can kind of weather that storm of when they look like absolute world beaters, and if you can steal one from them and then play the rest of your games, and you got some, you know, big time matchups at the end of February, you go, go into Rupp, you go to Vanderbilt. Like Vanderbilt's playing some decent basketball. They're very inconsistent, but, you know, if you win that Alabama game and you have a decent record and you're one game behind or, you know, one and a half games behind or maybe even even halfway through February, all of a sudden, this is a legit team that could win a championship in a year that is a complete rebuilding year. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they've put themselves in a good position. Um, I'm just not – I'm not there yet to say that they're going to win the championships. You know, I'm still – I'm not yet. Yeah. I'm still holding out until they play some good teams and you see how well that defense plays against good shooting teams because the the defense has been great in all the games down low. But, the I mean, even in you, – you think back to the Mississippi State game, yeah, you won, but they didn't make a single three-pointer. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they had some – it wasn't like it was just tremendous defense that kept them off the three-point line. I mean, there were probably seven or eight threes that were wide open. I mean, just against air, and they couldn't hit anything. And if you're playing a good team, that's just not going to happen. And you can't bank on that happening. And so that's what I'm saying. The defense is going to have to show that they're good at stopping teams from shooting well outside the arc, not just banking on the fact that this is college basketball and the three-pointer is not as good as the NBA. Mm-hmm. My my last thing with this with this basketball uh kind of segment 
is a new a new series I want to start doing on on the podcast and give me one thing about you know what has happened in the week in the week since our last podcast one thing that you're overreacting to and one thing that you're essentially underreacting to so one thing that you feel really hyped about and one thing that you feel like everyone needs to pump the brakes on and calm down okay thing that I'm feeling really hyped about was the offense looking super easy this week, I mean, some of those passes from Wynn with the backspin to Allen on the dunks. Also, I will say, Allen walked on one of those ridiculous dunks. He took three steps. But, hey, if they didn't call it, they didn't call it. Um, so that would be my overreaction that we're going to be able to just have Janai be wide open the entire time, and Allen's going to be yamming dunks starting at the three-point line um, from a half-court pass from Wendell. Um, and then my underreaction, I'm going to say people are not focused enough on the impact that Leor's brought to the team. He's had some really crucial shots and rebounds. And if he's able to keep playing like that, I could see even when Chris Moore comes back, throwing him out there sometimes when the scoring gets a little difficult. Because I think in previous years when he's played, he's always been dynamic on offense. His defense has gotten less foul happy. He's still, and I also, this is terrible. I think that he gets called for some calls because referees think that he's going to be slower because he's coming in so late in the game and it seems like a depth piece that he gets called on things that other guys that were starters would not get called on because they're not expecting him to be that fast. And I think the more that he's playing and the more referees that are actually watching his game they're giving him the benefit of the doubt like a starter would get later in, you know, where he uh-huh. gets the fouls. Because there was one game, I want to say it was Mississippi State, and it was all ball on a jump ball, and they called him for a foul. And everybody in the arena was like, he didn't touch the guy. I think even the Mississippi State bench was surprised that they had called a foul. And it was just one of those things where when you come in off the bench, guys haven't seen you play, and you're not a highly rated recruit, they're just going to assume that you will foul the person. Um, and if you come off the bench and you're Chance Westry and you're a five-star coming in, they're going to assume that you're not going to foul somebody. It's just that's how the calls work. And so I think as he continues to develop with referees and getting less foul called against him, uh, that's something that's a little underrated right now that I think could have an impact. I, I agree. I agree. I, I would say my my overreaction is Alan Flanagan's. I would say Alan Flanagan's emergence as not necessarily the guy, but the most important player on the team. I, I think that that is something that I would say I'm really rolling with and probably overreacting a little bit. We might come back to this next week, and you know, Alan kind of goes back to being inconsistent. But I really think that his rebounding is something that. If it stays consistent, which I think it will, I think it'll be continue to be the X factor and really be the difference maker in some of these games. Um, something that I think, you know, people need to pump the brakes about. And obviously, you know, I, you know, I, I'm kind of saying the exact same thing is looking at this team and looking at the wins and really getting caught up, you know, and I don't want to I don't want to be negative and say that we just need to, you know, stop being hyped at all. But I also don't want to be you know, just so excited because of how the wins are coming in. But the games really start getting tougher as we, you know, as we get through the season, you know, Texas A&M, 
that's a real team. You know, that that's Texas A&M is better than anyone else that we've played in the in, in conference, uh, except for arguably Arkansas. But even then, we've talked extensively about how they're starting slow. But Texas A&M, you've got the home game and you've got the road game in this next five. And I think that those will be really important to see the quick turnaround and seeing how these guys play against a, a decent basketball team. Um, and then West Virginia is a decent basketball team, before, not even talking about Tennessee and Alabama, who we know are really good. But those teams that are like, yeah, you know, they win one or two, you know, the ball bounces a little different in one or two games, you know, one or two moments. These guys are ranked and then you start looking at them a little bit more. But I think that these coming games will really be what determines whether Auburn should be hyped about this or or really it's just kind of the same thing. We thought we just got lucky that we've played some some below average SEC teams in this coming games. But um, I think that's, you know, that kind of wraps up our basketball talk. There's really not much that has happened in, in football about, you know, the past few past few days. But just really quickly, a quick rundown. Spencer Sanders, who was one of Auburn's, uh, you know, quarterback transfer portal recruit targets, committed to Ole Miss, who was, you know, kind of just joining the, the group of quarterbacks there at Ole Miss. Uh, Weather, just quickly give us your thoughts on, you know, how the quarterback room is going to look. Do you think we'll still add a transfer maybe after the spring as a depth piece? Do you think we're still looking for a starter? Or do you think that Hugh Freeze is uh, rolling with a guy he's already got? Uh, yes, I definitely think that we will try and add a quarterback after spring solely because I think the number of quarterbacks on the roster right now is the minimum that you want to have. And somebody's leaving. I, I just don't see there being a situation where TJ and Holden both stay. Um, I don't necessarily know if I see them both going either. Um, we talked about how TJ was basically off the team um, and that he was waiting to graduate, but now he's back with the team and he's doing winter workouts. I don't know. That's an odd situation to me. Um, what, what that situation is. Um, I will tell you this. We said last year that if TJ Finley were the starter, that we would be excited because it means that he had gotten significantly better. I rescind that. If TJ Finley is the starter this year, Buddy, sell your season tickets on StubHub now because they're going to be at rock bottom by the end of the season. And the whole everybody saying, oh, there's a freeze warning. Yeah, there's going to be a buyout warning. I'm just telling you now, it's not going to be good. I'm sure he's a great guy, but as far as playing football, uh, I I hope Robbie is able to get there. I Because I don't think – TJ would have to get significantly better to play over Robbie. I have no idea what was seen by the previous staff that thought that TJ should be the starter over Robbie. Right? There was no point in the season where I thought that TJ was bringing a better advantage to the football team than Robbie was. So, yeah, I, that's a weird situation to me. I do think you bring somebody in. I think you hope to bring somebody in that can compete for the starting job and you don't just bring in a depth piece. But at the end of the day, if TJ leaves, you need somebody to be there in case, you know, your running quarterback gets hurt. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens with all of them. I definitely – I feel good about Holden staying. I think that Holden still sees, you know, a future at Auburn. I think that a lot of guys still see a future at Auburn. Um, I really think that Holden under some development with Hugh Freeze, you know, we've talked – about his pocket presence and all that kind of stuff. I think that that can improve. I think that is, you know, quick trigger will be able to be utilized by Hugh Freeze. I, I, I really, 
I'm not less high on Holden just because Harson's not here anymore. Like I still think he'll be a good a good player with the right development. Um, but yeah, I think the quarterback will continue to be the most debated topic. I think that every other position group has been addressed. You know, you had transfers come in for every position group where you needed guys. Um, you know, we talked that the receivers might need another guy, but still every single position group that needed somebody or needed a couple guys got somebody or needed a couple guys. So I think that, you know, every position really got addressed really well in the transfer portal, except for quarterback. And there's still time, you know, there's going to be another window right after spring training when everyone knows where they stand. But typically you don't see those big time QB guys coming in because it means they're not going to start anywhere else. You know, like the guys that are transferring after the spring, it's because they're not going to start. And if, you know, a wide receiver from Ohio State hits the portal after spring, you're like, okay, they have elite receivers over there. Just because you're not starting there, you might start here and you might be a star. Um, Like Jameson Williams at Alabama did did that exactly. But with quarterback, it means that you're not going to be an elite quarterback in all likelihood because someone was going to start over you. Unless you're at a good school. I think yeah. if you come from Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, like like Joe Burrow. Anyways. Yes, yes, there are definitely exceptions, but on a more general sense, you're not going to see a quarterback, and you're not going to see really any of those diamond in the rough guys who are you know playing lower level football and are good enough to move up because they would have already moved up by now. They're not going to go through the spring and all of a sudden be like, oh, I'm better than these guys. I just didn't realize it two months ago. So. I think that that'll be interesting. I think that, you know, it might be one of the guys that we just have and, you know, we'll have to have to lean on development, but that'll continue to be a discussion throughout the rest of this off season. You know, I think that'll be the biggest factor that people look at when they talk about Hugh Freeze's year one is how much he can develop the quarterback and, you know, how the offense will look. But I do think that the boat will be much better this season and this off season compared to how it was last season. So I'm definitely still excited about what Hugh Freeze can bring to the football program. I'm cautiously optimistic about this roster. And obviously we'll talk extensively about that when spring football comes around and all that good stuff. But we'll be back next week breaking down the Texas A&M and West Virginia games. Hopefully we'll go 2-0 and in that week, move up in the polls a little bit, um, talk about the SEC Big 12 Challenge, all that good stuff. But until then, we'll just wait. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. And War Eagle. War Eagle.